Uh, one of the great moments of Mother's Day a few Sundays back was Adrian um, stood up and said, I'm thankful for the women in my life. I don't know why that came to me during our time of prayer, but I just want to publicly say, as I see some fathers of adult children here in the room, and, um, and a lot of my friends who are men, um, I'm thankful for you. I was struck as I thought about that, how due to whatever reasons, we don't, I mean, us as, in general as a community don't, but um, the, the men in our church, we, we have a hard time connecting sometimes because there's so much on, um, on plates. And so I'm thankful for you today. Um, Ari and I were in the backyard last this week, and like every week, she wanted to talk about the sermon that I gave because it was so riveting last Sunday. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but we were talking about Matthew chapter 10, and um, we started talking about Macklemore. Does everyone know who Macklemore is? Um, Macklemore is... Rob's um, favorite artist from Seattle. Um, and Macklemore is a, he's an incredibly talented poet and um, songwriter and and performer. And we've been listening to his album a lot um, lately. I think Rob tried to get me to listen to it years ago, but, and I think I did, but for whatever reason, it's kind of emerged in our family. Um, so much to the point that we've decided to play it with our sons, um, and so we've been playing it in the house, and they're learning some words that we hope they don't use just yet, um, or maybe ever. Um, but they're also learning um, about the world, and they're learning hope in what's being proclaimed in these songs. Um, Ari and I went to a U2 concert, or excuse me, I went to a U2 concert. Ari didn't go. She was in the Netherlands. Uh, but we've been to U2 before. Um, and... Uh, it was, and some of you went to this concert at the Rose Bowl. If not, you've been to concerts before where you leave and you're like, I don't know, but I think I might have just been at a worship experience because of the poetry, because of the message, because of the explicit um, proclamation of, some, of God at a concert, perhaps. In Matthew 10, um, last week we talked about how participating in who God is is much like a dance. And that God draws us, first comes to us, Jesus Christ. That God gathers us to in love and care and nurture. And then God sends us 
through Christ in the Spirit that Aaron talked about being among us today um, to the world. And so there's these instructions in Matthew 10 that we looked at that I'm going to read the first portion again to us to remind us. And we jumped on some important things about being sent, a sent people. Matthew 10, verse 5, it says, These twelve, the apostles, the sent ones, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy. And we talked about that a little bit. Basically, who is open to hospitality? Um, Now I lost my place. And stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it's not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. And again, we talked about the sin of that Old Testament story is that of a lack of hospitality. And so we jumped like, we, of course we would. We, we looked at this story and we, we, we talked about, yeah, when we're sent... There's instructions to travel light. Um, don't take two tunics. Um, take just, in this passage, and lieutenants even less, but in this passage, take just what you need. Be open to being dependent on other people as you journey, being sent from God. Be vulnerable. Travel light. We jumped on that last week. Amen. Practice hospitality. Um, go to a house. If there's peace, name it, receive it. Depend upon those people that God has sent you to. Um, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jesus, is this kingdom of radical hospitality. Um, and we, we talked about that, and, and we proclaim that. Um, in the early 2000s, there was a, an emerging um, kind of Christian movement um, called the New Monasticism. And in a lot of this story that we just read, you can see the fruits, or you can see the, I should say, the roots of, of really any type of monasticism, right? Simplicity, um, openness to simple labor and work with your neighbors, um, and in the early 2000s, there's this book that came out called The New Monasticism that many of us in Mountainside at the time read and appreciated a lot. Um, and some of the markers of, of this new monasticism were thoughtful, prayerful, contemplative lives. I think on our best days, 
here at Mountainside, we, we try to still have that as a practice. Um, another one was a communal life. Um, this is one of those um, things we, we do our best to live out in some fashion, um, though there are certainly realities at play in our culture that make that challenging. It's not a romantic thing. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's something that we, we, we work at and are open to. Um, hospitality is a marker of this new monasticism. And then engagement with people who are marginalized in some way in society. And you can see like the, the, the seeds of this type of movement, whether it's kind of classic monasticism or this new monasticism. You can see it in this story that we just read. Um, healing the sick, um, another, another practice that um, many in our body have given their lives to. But what Ari and I were talking about in that backyard and what this passage starts with is go and proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we were just talking about that. Like, who are the people who proclaim it? Proclaiming it is not a mark of the new monasticism. Um, embodying it, living it, which is all legit. You've heard me preach that millions of times. Um, but Ari and I, in that conversation, and me as I w worked with this passage, I began to think, like, what does it look like for Mountainside to proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is at hand? Um, going to U2 concerts, um, listening to Macklemore, um, um, those, those, those voices inspire us. Um, they motivate us. And I began to think, who are the people in my life who proclaim to me, Josh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Um, I met a man, now a man, he was in high school then, named John. Um, we met on a basketball court, no jeans and combat boots, the first game we played. Um, had this, the weirdest, like, dialect and accent that I've, to this day, have ever heard. Born in Illinois to a Nazarene preacher, um, fell in love with poetry and writing and rap music and Bruce Springsteen, um, moved to Pismo Beach, down to Santa Monica, grew up in Pasadena, John Marshall High School. If you know anything about any of what I just said, you can imagine his dialect and his, his just the way he talks is, is so unique. Um, we would get together right here on Leroy's and we would talk about the Bible and I would be the voice with him of, well, let's think about how this lands, you know, let's think about what this looks like. And he would be the voice to me of, Josh, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I would leave inspired. Um, right now he leads uh, Team World Vision. 
which is a, uh, they run marathons all over the country and the world. He just ran some nutty marathon in Africa recently, raising money for clean water. Um, he's begging me to let him loose on our community. So if anyone's interested in that and leading that with him, I guarantee one thing, you will be inspired. Um, and you will hear that the kingdom of God is at hand. I have a student, well, he was a student of mine. Um, he's a colleague, a friend. Many, some of you know him. His name is Delante. Um, he's very involved in Pasadena and Los Angeles in the Black Lives Matter movement. And he is very involved in proclaiming in the most concrete of injustices and realities that the kingdom of God is at hand. Things need to change. Um, and I'm so inspired by his voice um, when I heard him in public settings, but frankly, even like on Facebook, the way he goes at what he goes after is the gospel. Um, starting with this question, who is it for you? Who has been the one who has listened to these instructions um, of Jesus for the sent ones? The ones who are, are sent out in Christ um, for the sake of the world. Who has been the ones who have proclaimed to you that the kingdom of God is at hand? That inspire you? Um, Maybe it's not a performing artist. Maybe it's not a, a friend like John for me or a, or a pastor like Delante. Maybe it's something different. Maybe it's like we're at the diaconal meeting and we're, wor we're working on stuff and now we have this building and we have like legal things to worry about and like all this complexity and somebody says, yeah, and we follow Jesus. So that's in the conversation too. The kingdom of God is at hand. a couple minutes turn turn to someone and maybe it's just a name maybe it's a quick story who's been the one i mean hospitality is huge traveling light and the life of simplicity is great healing the sick it's all a part of the gospel but for today who's the one that has proclaimed to you that the kingdom of god is at hand that has, God has used to move you um, uh, into faithfulness towards God's kingdom. Go for it, real quick. Just share with each other a name or a quick story of who's been the proclaimer. Let's name some names. Who, um, who are the proclaimers? Um, we won't take too long, but it'd be fun to hear. Who are the proclaimers? Those that are a voice that say to us and give us courage. Um, the kingdom of heaven is at hand.
Did I name them already? Adrian. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then who else? Kurt. You said Larry Carter, Jan Brown, and Sunny. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, Marcus. Others. Yeah, Kristen. That's what I'm going for. Who are, who are the people? Wade Lossie. Wade Lossie, which is Jan's brother. Warren, yeah. 
Proclamation's tricky, right? Because we don't know what is intended after. But it is so important. Um, and, and it's gift. Um, any other names of those who, who have proclaimed? Yeah, amen. Amen. Jesus goes on. Um, holy moly. When we proclaim, when we are inspired by the proclamation, the naming that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and we begin to live out this hospitality, simplicity, um, mission, that God is talking about. We find ourselves, Jesus warns us, confronting things, loyalties, um, that are important to be mindful of. Jesus says, see, I'm sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they'll hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you're to say will be given to you at that time. For it's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in, in one town, flee to the next, for truly I tell you, you will not have gone through all of the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Josh, I like the hospitality part. I like the simplicity part. Um, a disciple is not above the teacher, not a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Belzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim, there it is again, from the housetops. Do not fear. This is the gospel right here. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body into hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? 
yet not one of them will fall to the ground unperceived by your Father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. He goes on to talk more about family conflict that we should be prepared for. And then it says, whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. And whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Maybe this is great. I've got to be just pretty straightforward here. There's going to be conflict when we proclaim and live out the gospel of Jesus. A gospel that says you don't have to be afraid of death anymore. So much of our fear at some point connects with our mortality. Um, And this conflict, Jesus warns us, is A... Not a goal. Alright? This is not something that we're going for. Um, But it's a warning that when we go for the gospel, these conflicts come. And they're conflicts that surround loyalties that we have, which makes them tricky. Loyalties like government. Loyalties like religion. Loyalties like family. Um, those, those things are organized um, around loyalties. This is not saying go for the destruction of those. <laughs> it's not saying those are all bad. Um, what it's saying is when you follow Jesus, loyalties become called into question and those loyalties um, can cause conflict in those areas. Um, Does that make sense? Um, And there's a few promises and invitations that this passage ends with that I just want to proclaim for us as the kids come in. One, have no fear. Um, Two, God, when we face these conflicts, um, God will speak through you. As you can tell, I'm thinking, where do we go here? 
Many of us will not be Macklemore. Many of us will not be Bono or my friend John Huddle or Delante. But many of us will experience conflict in our attempts to live out the gospel. And we will experience those conflicts in a variety of different settings. Um, none more painful at times than in our families. Um, and Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. Trust your voice. Kids, we're going to come to the, the table here in a minute. And we're going to celebrate um, the Eucharist together. And what, what the adults have been considering or thinking about today is those people in our lives who give us hope by the words that they say, who, who give us courage to be brave um, for Jesus with the words that they say. And we just kind of finished by Jesus telling us and promising us that not only will other people have those kinds of words, but that God will give us those kinds of words. And I think the invitation for us um, is because of God, when we find ourselves in conflict, we can trust our voice. Doesn't mean it'll be right every time. It doesn't mean you won't look back on it and go, ooh, I could have used a little bit of something different there. But we can trust our voice because we can trust God. And I think the other invitation in that is that we can turn off the defensive um, preparation, the defense, the, the monologue in our heads. I know I'm talking to adults now. I just feel like this is an important one. We don't have to defend ourselves and spend gobs and gobs of time and energy in our minds defending ourselves. Because God is aware of us more so than the sparrows. Because the Holy Spirit speaks through us in the moment, in our conflicts. It's an invitation to breathe deep, to be honest. Um, and no, we don't have to come prepared with our defense. Um, and I pray that's a liberating word for us um, today.